Yeah. Said Stewart if we Gordon. knew you were sitting there listening, <laughs> hearing what we were saying, you couldn't say anything, that would have been classic. <laughs> Let me just say this. If you're at the cabin and you don't have your phone locked and it's laying around where we can get to video, it's not going to be as nice as what we were on. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll, wait, you'll, you'll wake up to what is this video. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Come for the craft beer, bourbon, whiskey, and great drinks. Stay for the conversations. Here's your host, Jonathan Green. Welcome into another edition of the Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. We have a fun one for you as we're kicking off our Whiskey Weeks 2022 here on the show. We've already done that on a few other things this month. You can catch them all at hopspirits.com and on our social media and our YouTube page as well. We've got a fun episode for you. We closed out Cocktails 101 in August. We move into Whiskey 101 with Chad Watson, a.k.a. My Daily Bourbon, this month for tasting notes and our conversation. It's a fun one. It's a wild one because when technical difficulties happen, you just never know what could turn up, and it could be gold. And I think this week it is as we talk with the guys from Smith and Wesley. I hope you enjoy. It's almost time. Where did I where, where did I put those? Here they are. <laughs> it's time for tasting notes. Joining us here for tasting notes, and we're leaving. Well, we're continuing our 101 series, but we're leaving the world of cocktails 101, and we're going to whiskey 101 because it's part of Whiskey Week's National Bourbon Heritage Month here in September. Mm-hmm. And who better to have than my daily bourbon, or better known as Chad Watson. Chad, welcome in. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you. It's always a fun chat. And I was like, who better to have on on Whiskey Weeks than, and to talk bourbon than a guy that's literally called my daily bourbon? (laughs) (laughs) Even more so this month. So I did a, yeah, I did a poll last night that was like, who wants me to post a picture of bourbon every day? Or who wants me to do a review like once a month? And people, like there were like 20 people who were like, no, no pictures of bourbon every day. I'm like, it's already what I do. <laughs> it's, no di- <laughs> it's no different. I guess they didn't get the memo that it is my yeah. daily bourbon. <laughs> I was seeing how many people caught that, but not very many. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, things are too literal and it goes over our head. But what, <laughs> what is not too literal is is what we're going to be talking about <clears throat> as we go through this, a whole bunch of different whiskey things. Mm-hmm. And while we could go down the rabbit hole of what is whiskey, all those good things, most should know what it is, or they can go on a tour. They can get the, the, the basics of what I might call whiskey 100 or whiskey 99 level classes. <laughs> so for one-on-one on the first one, we'll talk about bottled and bond because while it's mainly known in the whiskey world, it can technically happen in other realms as well. But what is bottled and bond? So bottled and bond is the first consumer protection act. Uh, it started in 1897, uh, basically stating cause the, uh, there's a whole list of people and everyone, everyone puts uh, Colonel E.H. Taylor on a pedestal for leading this, but there, there were a ton of people who led this charge. Um, basically, you know, whenever people were looking at whiskey and, you know, you're getting that brown color, uh, they were using turpentine, they were using tobacco spit, they were just putting whatever they could into whiskey to make it look older. Um, so, you know, everyone got together, not everyone. A handful of people got together, uh, started what was called the Bottled and Bond Act, uh, it, and it passed Congress in uh, 1897. And what that meant at that time was, and I'll hold this up here for people who do watch the video, under U.S. government supervision. So at that time, when this was going into effect, it's not a thing now, but when that went into effect, um, 
there was actually someone from the government who lived at the distillery and who signed off on that warehouse saying that everything was was good you know these barrels are four years they have to be a minimum of four years old they can only be 100 proof they can't be plus or minus they come from one distilling season which means so there's two distilling seasons january through june july through december and they come from one distillery and one master distiller um now these days it's kind of getting a little wishy-washy with you know you can contract to still and still call it bottled and bond i'm not sure how that works uh, because that doesn't follow the the technical side of it but uh yeah so this is the first you know bottled and bond is the first actual consumer protection act where they the government certified like we need safety involved to make sure that the whiskey you're drinking does not kill you which is a good thing because we enjoy yeah, whiskey. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I very much enjoy my whiskey. <laughs> and you mentioned it, nowadays it, it is kind of a term that we see maybe more often to talk about a specific type of of bourbon, and that, like you said, is something that has aged at least four years mm-hmm. and is right at a hundred proof. Can't be anything different. So when you're seeing those out on the on the market, that's basically what you're getting, right? Correct. So any, any, to me, anytime you see bottle and bond, it, which, you know, ever at that time, it was the highest quality you could get. You know, there's no, you wanted to be bottled and bond. You couldn't, if you weren't bottled and bond, then you were a nobody. You know, that's kind of how, that's kind of how the stories are spun. Uh, and I mean, not to get off on a tangent, but there's, there's a little conspiracy that I've heard that people think that it was the big guys who did it to push, to push the little guys out of the market because they couldn't afford to pay the government that. But anyway, you got brands <laughs> like... New Riff, who that's that's their main focus, bottled and bond. And you'll go if you go to that distillery, you know anything, read anything about New Riff. To them, that is the highest quality of bourbon, minimal four years. Uh, I mean, so you don't have to search if it says bottled and bond. You don't have to look on the back. Is it age twenty four months, eighteen months, six months, thirty six months? You know, you don't have to do any digging if it says bottled and bond or BIB. It's minimal four years old. And if it is older than four, you know, no one's going to put out like, I keep bringing this up, but it's just a good, it's, it's what's near me. So this Heaven Hill bottle, six years old, anything that's older than four, they're going to celebrate that. They're not just going to throw bottled and bond on a 20 year old bottle and just let it go on the market. No, brands are going to celebrate that. Like Wild Turkey did with their 17 year. So, I mean, that's, that's a really big deal. Like <clears throat> bottled and bond is one of those things where people look at and like, there's a lot of like $15 bottled and bonds on the shelf. It's like, well, you know, that's, it's a good starting point and more and more craft brands are getting into bottled and bond because it's a guarantee, you know? So some of these craft brands put out uh, uh, two year, two year old product and they'll do that for five or six years just to pay the bills. Well, then they come out with their first bottled and bond and that should, that should be a holy shit moment or a holy crap moment. Sorry for, uh, we're talking bourbon. It's, okay. uh, yeah, I, know. <laughs> I always just feel bad for cussing. But when you see a craft distillery put out a bottle and bond, that should be a holy crap moment because you're like, they finally have hit four years and they can, they have enough stock to where they can continue to produce a bottle and bond. So that's how I look at it today. Um, like one of my favorite local distilleries, uh, Bluegrass Distillers, the fact that they can do a rotating bottle and bond series with their different mash bills is great because that means they're, they've hit that point to where they constantly have four-year-old product. So that makes me happy as a consumer. Well, and I think that's the biggest takeaway is, is even if you see it and you're like, oh, it's $15. Well, we've talked about this in the past on a whole bunch of them. That's usually yeah. pretty good stuff for 15 bucks when you really get down to it because it's four years old. It's got some flavor. It's got some character, and it's not a bad thing. Exactly, and that's we talk, we, we've talk. we gone on price point a lot on, on the show, but, uh, I mean, that's 
I think people just turn their nose up at it and not enough people understand what bottled and bond means. They have to pay tax. I mean, so anything that's bottled and bond, there's an extra tax involved. So the fact that, which most of those $15 bottled and bonds are from one distillery, so, uh, and they you know can produce that much, but there's extra money that's going into that. So even if it's a cheaper one, uh, it's, it's good value. If it's from a small craft distillery, it might be a little more expensive. But I mean, you're getting the best possible bourbon that they can make at that time there's nothing there's no shortcomings to it because there's no way around it. it's 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 got to hit those marks or the government won't give it the the title of bottom and bond although as you said there's a little bit of shaking yeah. as, as times have changed things have changed and consumers are i guess in theory a little more wiser about what's in the bottle uh things have, have gone a little different so it, with that said do you ever have to watch out when you see bottled and bond on something or for the most part you're good so what i always suggest people do because they have to by law is look on the back of the bottle or on the side of the bottle uh, it'll give you where it was distilled and where it was bottled so you'll see like here heaven hill dspk1 you know dsp31 those are both heaven hill but they're two different facilities so it has to state what facility it's from um now you've got brands out there and i'm not trying to call anyone out but like smoke wagon's got a bottled and bond rye coming out um that is from mgp well mgp is in indiana smoke wagon is in nevada um I, I never knew that you could buy someone else's bottled and bond product and claim it as your own because that kind of defeats the purpose of one distillery, one distilling season, one master distiller. So if it leaves from them, from I get it's being made for that person, but I just, I don't know. I'm not sure. So we're getting into that realm of, you know, people are now finishing bottled and bonds. There's a couple of distillers out there who are like, check out our rum finished, our port finished. Uh, this is our blended whiskey bottled and bond. You're, it's kind of stepping on the toes of what actually is bottled and bond. Because bottled and bond, if you if you read the rules, it's very, I mean, it's very straightforward. It, it is, it has to be A, B, C, X, Y, Z. There's, there's no, there should be no gray area. So the things I would look for is if you are curious about a bottle and a bond and you're kind of like, hmm, never heard of this brand before, pick it up on the back. Look at those DSP numbers. Even if it is from another state like, you know, Texas or Minnesota or South Carolina, as long as they are one brand that only has one facility, they only have to list one facility. But if you're seeing two or three different numbers on there, might want to do some research because um, you could be getting into wishy-washy area. That, that little gray area that has become the TTB and, and so many other things. And, and Chad, I, I appreciate this as always. I feel like this might be a 200 level course here at some point <laughs> about on how things have changed a little bit with, with different things. Oh yeah. I could, I could ramble on for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to check out hops and spirits on social media at hop spirits, all one word on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for our bar conversations, and I specifically wanted these guys for the, the first week here of Whiskey Weeks. It's the country duo, better known as Smith and Wesley. It's Todd Smith and Scott Smith. Guys, welcome in. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Now, you know, since this is called Bar Conversations and it's Whiskey Weeks, I think one of them didn't, I forgot to tell them it's Whiskey Weeks. So you guys drink anything good tonight? Well, it depends on what you call good. So, see, I didn't realize I was – normally I would have a whiskey drink, but 
I thought because I knew Scott would have a whiskey drink, and so I just thought I would would change it up because one, I didn't have any Tito's with me. I ran out, and so I used what I did have, which was a little tequila, a little fresca, and a splash of lime. So, cheers. <laughs> Scott, do you have well, some whiskey tonight? Uh, well, I will make us legit and say that I do have some whiskey, so, yeah. Any, anything good, or, or shall we just plead the fifth and, and let everyone wonder? Well, I mean, I don't know. We, we, keep, a, uh, we keep everything, you know, I like everything from... Uh, Right now, I've had some Basil Hayden toast, which was excellent. And so uh, that's been pretty nice. And your Woodfords. And uh, so I kind of stick with stick with all uh, all the good ones there. Well, yeah. And when there's and when there's a big when there's a big, big crowd, I'll uh, I'll have some Gentleman Jack. I like it. I like it. Well, because of where you guys are, are you know, from. I uh, brought out one of my favorites and a little, little Chattanooga whiskey cast. There you go. So. There you go. Absolutely. All right. So. That, that's a that's a, a must on my shelves if anyone knows me it's it's always there so yeah. you know as we get into this we'll find out where, where these guys are from they're from georgia but uh, not far from from chattanooga and they're they're brothers we'll get to the name in a second but what's it like doing this professionally as brothers i mean do you get along all the time or uh is there a little bit of uh you know brotherly love there so to speak <laughs> well todd and i we grew we grew up on a farm and uh you really didn't have neighbors so you know todd and i if we were gonna you know ha go outside and play it was usually you know we would go outside and we're playing basketball together playing football together fishing together and we went wound up going to the same college together and wound up being roommates at the same college <laughs> together wound up joining the same fraternity which we both were officers at the same time and so uh we we have uh, been best friends and brothers uh pretty much ever since we've grown up and we're not going to lie to you and say brothers don't have a little spat every now and then. And uh, I don't think, you know, there's been too many times where the whole band had to clear out of the bus and, you know, we locked doors or anything. So that's, but uh, no, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, to me, it, it has worked unbelievably well. Uh, we just, we, we tend to be able to work things out. And I guess that's Although the there, there was that There was that one time. Uh, up where he's from in Kentucky, that we might have had a, might have had a, a, you know, but it wasn't, wasn't nothing. A, a couple of drinks couldn't resolve. Was that the radio tour? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it didn't take long to have a phone call back to the room and Todd say, "Hey, why don't y'all come down to the bar? I'll buy y'all some drinks." So it, and we closed the bar good. down <laughs> with with guitars in the bar. That's <laughs> right. We went. We wound up. Our, our tour manager wound up going and getting guitars. And so uh, I think if you just, you know, the steering wheel kind of went left there for a little bit, but went way over to the right. And it, I think we averaged being right in the middle. So we'll, we'll <laughs> say we average, we average just right. Yeah, I love it. And, then, you know, it's as I say on this show, it's the intersection of good drinks, good music and good times. So nothing a little music yeah. and and some good drinks can't can't fix. And, you know, but you all haven't done technically the, the music thing together forever. Um, so how did that kind of go? When did you guys decide that, you know, maybe it was time to kind of combine efforts or, you know, playing with different bands and things like that? Todd, you want to start or you want me to start? Well, I, 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 you, you go ahead. You know, you, you, you can go ahead. Yeah, I think I've usually answered this one yeah. many times. But uh, Todd actually uh, had his own band, and it was a three-part harmony band. And they actually did really well, went to Nashville, 
Uh, they were signed uh, signed on a, I guess, an artist. Of, no, they were you were signed uh, with them, and then uh, something happened. They broke up. Todd got an independent artist deal, uh, and then uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the label, uh, different management or something, the label got they bought merged. out. They, they got they merged. merged. Yeah, got bought and out. Right as right as anybody that Todd was released. Yeah, anybody that's on the shelf, that's where you stayed. Was on the shelf. <laughs> so, so I've always played music with all my buddies, and I used to be a really big bluegrass player. So I did a lot of bluegrass. And, uh, and then I decided to, uh, had a buddy of mine, uh, Jamie Sexton that got with me and we started a band called the Brody Johnson band. And I had a stage name, uh, and my name was Brody Johnson. So we started playing as Brody Johnson band and started getting a lot of traction. And so I used to, Todd used to come into town to see dad, mom and dad. And so I would say, Hey, you're in town, come over and jump up on stage and, you know, and, and play with us. Well, it almost got to where we started hearing more and more comments, and it got to where people were asking, where's your brother at? Man, y'all are awesome. You have that brother harmony. And and so uh, finally, uh, you know, my father, who and mother both, well, my father loved the music. He said, hey, y'all sound as good as anybody I hear on the radio. So why don't you just go to Nashville and, and go do this thing? So we, we wrote our songs. We went and recorded it in Nashville. Uh, did our first album. We're just about to release the album when we had the opportunity to play as Brody Johnson band opening up for Alan Jackson and Gwinnett for uh, Governor Deal's uh, inaugural gala. And uh, that's when we got noticed by uh, an independent label that said, you guys are great. Who are y'all? Which, <laughs> you know, we're, we're about to no, don't release that album. Uh, we want you to change your name, change your name to a duo and hold off on that album. We want to release it under our label and do all that. Well, that show was the last show that Todd and I's father ever saw us play. He died two weeks after that. He was in bad health, and so we did get to we did get to talk to him about uh, getting signed, and and uh, he did uh, know that. And his name was Wesley Smith, and so we decided to name the duo Smith and Wesley to honor him. And Todd can uh, tell you the rest of the story that the connection between the Wesley. Yeah. So. Um... My grandfather's middle name is Wesley. He went by J.W. is John Wesley. And then our dad's middle name was Wesley. And then he went by Wesley. My middle name is Wesley. My son's middle name is Wesley. And he goes by Wesley. So it was just an easy connection to say Smith and Wesley. That's really how we came just to honor him. And, and, and so it just kind of bit stuck and but i will since he mentioned brody johnson i'll give you a little insider information so the people that know us the longest know that there's a certain drink called the brody <laughs> since we're on bars and conversations uh there's That's a little good, drink right? called the brody and it's something that scott specifically does uh, uh, when he's getting ready to sometimes go on stage after stage before stage uh, pretty much anywhere, all, all we have to do is tell the road crew, hey, go go fix us a Brody, and they know what know yes, what to yeah. do. And to this day, it's still it's still called a Brody. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I love. Now let that. me let me just uh, let me just let me just say that, uh, like a true whiskey and bourbon drinker, that uh, I don't appreciate people pouring a lot of Coca-Cola in my bourbon and whiskey drinks. So, <laughs> so yeah, you prefer them Brody to be a little stronger. Being stout. <laughs> Yeah. I like it. I like it. Well, and you know, you mentioned your dad being a, a big part of 
of all this. I mean, how how cool is it to have that part where now you can let kind of be able to tell this story to to folks like myself and others and kind of honor him through the the name and and then also just him kind of saying, "Hey, yeah. you, you two, get together. It's this is good." Like that's that's got to be a pretty cool feeling. Well, not only that, but uh since then and, and you know, we're on our fifth annual uh West and Shirley Smith charitable, you know, uh we have a foundation that still honors uh, dad and mom both, and we do a concert every year that the money goes to the charitable foundation, which we give money back to the community every year. Yeah, so, all the uh, money stays and, in. And, uh, and we play, every year we play at the uh, Northwest Georgia Amphitheater, which my dad was a part of building and paying for and donating it to the county. So. Well, it was a year before last, I guess, the county mm-hmm. came to one of our shows yeah. and surprised us on stage and named this, the stage after that, and it's the Wesley Smith stage, and put up a plaque, so it's pretty cool. That, that is awesome, and I was going to ask about that in a, in a little bit, but I mean, how cool is it to do that, share it with your friends, share your hometown where you guys grew up, and also be able to give back, because the fifth annual uh, concert is coming up on September 24th, so I mean, how cool is it to, to do something like that? Oh, it's great because that's that's what dad was all about. You know, when he was uh, he had uh, a Northwest Georgia Bank Foundation that he donated millions and millions. He would have a golf tournament and different events every year to raise money. And he probably donated millions of dollars. Matter of fact, uh, you know, when the big tornado uh, hit Ringgold, he was the you know, our, the whole bank building was uh, shut down because of the whole city was shut down. He was more worried about taking a check over to the emergency services for uh, people that needed help. And so uh, he uh, took a big check over to start a fund for disaster recovery for the tornado. So that's what, that's what dad was always all about. And then, you know, in addition to your dad, your, your mother, I think played a, a big role. I think I read somewhere where she was y- y'all's original producer. Can you just talk about her and the impact she had on y'all? <laughs> well, for one, I'll tell you this. So growing up, she cut a deal with our dad. We didn't have a choice in the matter. We didn't have, a, we didn't have a say in the matter, but basically the deal she cut with our dad was if we were, if we were to play sports in school, we had to take piano lessons. And so that was the deal she cut. So we took piano lessons and played sports. So, you know, it was a win-win. Sometime I probably didn't smell, didn't smell too good going to uh, piano practice after uh, football practice, but we, we, we made it happen. <laughs> well, and I mean, like, I guess that's something that ended up carrying on, on for y'all because clearly, you know, music is, is something y'all love. I mean, was that just instilled at an early age or how, how did that come along? Well, not only well, not only the the deal to, to either you know have to take piano lessons or do music if, as long as we were going to play sports, but ever ever since I can remember, uh, once a week, uh, every week we would uh, go over to the church to be in the choir, the children's choir, and so we were uh, in the children's yep. choir all the way through the youth group, and we would travel around our uh, our choir would travel around to different other churches, and uh, and 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 do programs. So uh, all of that, I think, contributed to being able to do the music now. 
And what music did you guys grow up on? I mean, were you uh, being down there? I'm assuming a lot of country. Uh, Scott, you mentioned you know you you love bluegrass. So, I mean, was that pretty much Is all it? that was on, or other things? Everything, too? everything. Because you know when we would travel, so anytime we we're in Dad's car, it was old school country. And so that's there was no other station on the radio besides old school country, which we didn't mind, but you know because we like country and and, and so. And it's also Southern rock, uh, you know, those kind of things. And, and if you listen to any of our albums, then uh, you'll find that you'll see the influence. Twin guitars, you'll find twin guitars, you know, coming from Almond Brothers or, or any, you know, we really put that influence in our, in our songs. And, and so, you'll, you know, that that's a trait of a Smith & Wesson song is, is, is twin guitars, harmony in your face, uh, and hopefully good writing. Well, and then too, you know, you guys grew up, you were right along the border there of, of, you know, Chattanooga, North Georgia. How did that impact? I mean, were there any influences there with just kind of, you know, that, that area and, and what was going on there, there for y'all? Yeah. Sure, I, used to tell my, I used to tell my dad, the only reason I went to the bar yesterday's in downtown Chattanooga was to watch the band so I could learn new songs and learn, you know, the chords to play guitar. So, so, so I'll do a little pop quiz for you. So where <laughs> we're from in Ringo, which is just on the other side of the Tennessee Georgia line, uh, there are two, two legends of country music. One is living, one is passed away, got married in our small hometown, small hometown of Ringo, Georgia. Two. One male, one female. One's living, one's past. And they didn't get married to each other. They didn't get married to each other. Uh, yeah, they could have, same round of time. But I'll go ahead and tell you, because you're not going to guess. One is Dolly Parton, and the other is George Jones. Oh, wow. So, so, so a lot of uh, history there. A lot, lot, lot of, so you guys are like carrying on the torch then. Well, actually, this was, uh, I think, the 50th anniversary of yeah. uh, Dolly Parton. So the uh, city had somebody come in and paint a big mural of Dolly downtown. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You know, and I mean, how how cool is that to come from? A, I'm guessing down there, though, they love music, and that's something that you you guys are able to enjoy when you're there. And, you know, for you, Scott, that's where, where you live still. And, Todd, when you come back to visit, I mean, that's got to be a, a music scene if – a, a few decent names have come out of there, so to speak. Yeah, well, I mean, Tons of, of, of music talent from and not just country, right? I mean, uh, you've got uh, all 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 genres of music. Uh, you know, Godfather of Soul. And well, I'll got, tell you uh, another cool story is uh, Ringgold and Fort Oglethorpe, and you know, all they're they're right next to each other in the same county. So uh, this was a while back, I guess, when we had, we were I guess we had first started. But we were on the chart. We were on the charts, and it happened to be three artists side by side in sequential order on the charts, and from, we were all from right here. And that was Lorna Lena, Kane Brown, and Smith and Wesson. That, that and so that was just I, it was odd that, and I think we were doing a radio tour at that time, and and, and everybody was asking questions. They would say, "What is in the water in, in Ringo, Georgia? You know, what's in the water around there?" You, because it was uh, for that one moment in time, there was the three of us right together, and we're yep. all from about the same hometown. 
Well, and and you know, you guys have have done a, a lot with 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 music and being able to to chart and do things, and I think a lot of that comes from your your songwriting and you know what's where does that inspiration come for for y'all i mean obviously uh, you know this this stuff's i think mentioned a little bit and other drinks and so so forth but where where does that inspiration uh, come from when you're writing we we've had some folks that would say uh i think one of our road crew guys let his mother uh, you know listen to our music and she said they sure do sing about whiskey a lot <laughs> <laughs> and he said yeah yeah they sing about whiskey but uh i don't really you know it's it's something that we we both just truly enjoy and you know it's just like the old saying i mean you find something you truly enjoy truly enjoy you'll never never work a day in your life you know if it's something you truly enjoy uh it's a tough business and you better enjoy it uh, and it's a roller coaster ride a lot of times and and covid you know when uh when the covid pandemic hit i mean you know, that was that was a uh, huge, it was huge for us because we just won independent artist, you know, that year. And then it was a couple months later, uh, we, we won independent artist, signed with a new label, new booking agency, booking shows, everything. We, you know, we were still had the wind behind the sails riding that train and all. And then everything just shut down. Yeah. Everything got canceled. And so, uh, you didn't even get to take that award out for a spin, basically, to, to you know, because at <laughs> yeah, that point, you're going to be get more booking opportunities, just more opportunities in general. And at that point, it was just shut down. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, I can tell you that the feeling, I know the feeling's the same for Todd, too, but the feeling hasn't changed. And I, I will admit, after COVID, I think the feeling is even more that when Todd and I get to stand on beside that stage after the traveling, after the sound checks, after everything, when you're when you're about to get announced to go on stage and the band is already playing the music, that is one of the best moments ever. And fortunately, it has never waned in the in the way that it's felt, you know, in my stomach every single time that you get to do that. And 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 I guess, you know, I hope not. I mean, I hope there may be a day where that you're like, oh, I got to I got to get up there and play music. But I don't see it anywhere in our future <laughs> so far. Yeah, you know, I heard <laughs> on the radio um, this week. I didn't know this. Dirk Spentley and I forget the guy that's touring with him that's opening up for him. But they take these ice baths before they go on stage so that it psychs them up and gets them, you know, invigorated and ready to go and get up on stage. And I'm like, I don't need an ice bath before I go on stage. Just give me a whiskey drink and then I'm gone and we're, you know, yeah. off to you know, everybody, everybody always asks, they say, do you get nervous before you go on stage? And I say, no, the word's not nervous. The word's anxious. I mean, there's nothing in the world worse than your band being up there and, you know, and you're just waiting to join them and get up there and, and go through the set and play the music and, and entertain the crowd and interact with the crowd. And and I say, no, it's it's torture having to wait to get up there. But it's something we really enjoy doing. And it's something that I'll, you know, I always tell people, uh, you know, you don't retire from music. And, you know, that's Willie Nelson and, and everybody else that's played. I mean, uh, you know, this is something that, you know, as long as we have a crowd to go play for, I Isn't think, that? you know, you... Yeah, you uh, do like all the all of our heroes, and you just keep playing till you're playing playing somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully it's upstairs, not yeah. downstairs. <laughs> That's right. 
Well, and you know, I, I think you know, looking at, at stuff from from your shows, I mean, uh, you, you have folks of all ages that love to come out, whether it's kids dancing or or you know, even folks at my age and, and older, dan- you know, anyone out there getting it dancing. I mean, that's got to be a cool sight when you're up on stage and you got folks that are just loving the music and, and getting into it. It is. I mean, and we truly do have, uh, have all ages. And, and I think the last show we did, there was, uh, these, these little girls out just right in front of the, right in front of the stage, just kind of dancing and, and playing. And, and then, you know, you may have a, you may have an older couple off to the side, just, you know, kind of sitting there enjoying it. So it's, it is all ages that we get to entertain for. So. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's probably cause we know how, I guess, cause we both have kids and, and, and so we're used to that interaction, knowing how to talk to you know little girls, little boys, that kind of stuff. But at the same time, um, we are Smith and Wesley, and and, and we know how to have, have a good have a good time. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you, I- you have a shot of whiskey before you go on stage. I mean, I'm sure that's not just to warm up the vocal cords either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, you just got a love of writing and, and things like that. I mean, pretty much on up until this last album, you guys were co-writers or wrote the main writers on all of, of, of the songs on an album, or at least the vast majority of them, but you switched it up for Land of Y'all. Why, why, why did you guys kind of do it? Was it just to give it another feel, or were you feeling some other songs that folks were coming in with? How, how did that go? Well, well when you first start out... Um, you know, you're not going to have all the songwriters in Nashville, you know, knocking on your door. So as we progress and our trajectory was good in the first two albums, all of our singles, I mean, you can see a lot of them. I hang hang up every one of our single covers for our singles up on the wall behind me. And I think there's about 13 or 14 now. And all of them have done, all of them have done well. Uh, So our managers um, and Nashville folks, they're the ones that actually recommended you really ought to take a look. We, we have a lot of people sending us music they want you to, to take a look at and don't pass up a good song. You know, if you have a songwriter, a well-known songwriter, you know, it's going to give you a good song, then you need to you need to listen to it. So, you know, they got hundreds and hundreds, of course, and they listen to it and then they narrow it down to some for Todd and I to listen to. And and no kidding, I think you know, after we listen to them, Todd and I pick the same exact songs both of us listen to separate we pick the same songs that we like out of the bunch yeah we and, purposely don't talk to each other until we've listened to the songs and then and, once and once pick. we're able yeah and then we come up with the same songs just you know so it's interesting well, yeah. and, uh, and i think I, todd I think... had uh, one of the albums early on todd sent me uh, basically some poetry you know i mean it was, he just he had the songs written and he said, take a look at these. And so, you know, I put music to it. And then I think there was one uh, one song that I, I, you know, did the music, did did all of it. And, and we added a bridge, I think, or to it. But uh, when I sent it back to him and let him play it, he said, you're not going to believe this. But that's actually the music that I was playing along with it when I when I wrote it. And I had no idea what he played. I just had words on paper. So we must have must have the same taste in music, I guess, because we grew up together listening to the same music, yeah. possibly. But. Does it ever give you goosebumps when I, I you do this? I think we are like... at a pause here because uh, our host is is hostess with the mostess is now ghostess. Uh, he may well, have to go I'm... get another whiskey drink. 
Bourbon. I, I'm still here, so don't don't worry. Maybe if you don't see me, don't worry. Went. So, uh, can you still so, hear me? Well, we're still recording here, so let me just let me just take over as host, <laughs> and uh, they can do this. So so what? Tell 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 folks out there in uh, in uh, video land where uh, what got you interested in bluegrass? Well. Um, probably, uh, some buddies that I hung around and what got me interested in bluegrass was we all sat around and played guitar. Well, I got tired of everybody sitting around playing a guitar. I said, we need another instrument. We can't just all sit around and play guitars. So that's when I went and got a mandolin. So when we got a mandolin, then we got a dobro and then we got a banjo and we started mixing that all in. And I will admit we did play some of the you know, traditional bluegrass. But what we would do too is we would take everything from Leonard Skinner to whoever, uh, and we would turn it into a bluegrass song. Which later on you see that all the time with like the gourds and and other other different types of folks. Uh, but that's that's how the bluegrass came about. That, well, so that and I guess we had mountains. Yeah, and we've been known when we're at the cabin. We when around around midnight we start a little bluegrass gospel hour. And so we just start picking around, and, and sometimes the gospel songs are turn into a little more bluegrassy gospel song, and, and so, but um, um, fun time. Yeah. I, I like it. Can, can y'all hear cabin, me again? I guess how many songs have we written at the cabin now? Probably, I don't even, gosh, I mean, probably one from every album, maybe, at least one. Well, I guess, I guess uh, how many songs that we wrote at the cabin that we remember that we wrote at the cabin <laughs> and how many of them that we still, still, remember. you know, we have, we've written matter, matter of fact, not only written songs, but, uh, we've done, uh, our, was it our first video? Yeah. Little the video was at the, yeah, our at very the first video was at the cabin and we did some other, uh, some of the, the shorts, guess, the acoustic shorts, the I guess shorts, you call them. Acoustic shorts yep. on the porch by the fire pit. Yep. We sure did. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Can, so, can y'all hear me again? Can am I good? Am I back? Well, am I tell back? us about. So since I got you here, and uh, <laughs> tell us tell us about that picture over your right shoulder where you're standing on. It looks like a little circle of wood over there. Yeah, yeah. see that picture that's going to be right, right about there. Tell us about right that picture there. there that go. is a that is a picture of Todd and I doing sound check at a little old place in Nashville. That is called the Grand Ole Opry. So that I was sound. Heard that one. Yeah, and so uh, that's the that's the piece out of the Ryman, the, the famous circle that uh, is there that they took from the Ryman Auditorium and took over to the Grand Ole Opry. And so uh, there, there'll be another picture over there, which is actually backstage when we performed. Yep. And that was performing a tribute concert for, and ironically talking about bluegrass, because I played Ralph Stanley, was a uh, tribute after Dr. Ralph Stanley passed away. So we were fortunate enough to be asked to come up, and everybody told us we were crazy because we sang one of Ralph Stanley's famous acapella, which they, acapella, which they said, y'all are crazy, y'all are just going to get up on stage, and y'all are going to sing with no band. Yeah, and that we did. show, it was, what, three hours, I guess, total from start to finish. They had so many people that wanted to play with, with Dr. Stanley. And we were like one of maybe two 
two other groups that did acoustic. Yeah, I think I think there, I know there was one for sure. There might have been another. I don't know, but um, um, it was. You talk about getting quiet, man. Right there, right before we start, it's just dead silent, and you're going into acoustic right before you just strum. It's uh, it uh, it's an awesome feeling. I, so. I, I like that. Am I? Have I unfrozen? For, well, for I guess one of the questions he was going to ask us is, uh, I'll let you talk about it, but uh, we talked about it a little bit, but why don't you tell everybody our journey to Music Row Independent Artist of the Year in 2020? The journey, well, it was a long journey. You know, the, the cool thing is, is when we started out going to what they call CRS, Country Radio Seminar, when we first went, people were like, Smith and Wesley, is this the gun, Smith and Wesson? No, it's Smith and Wesley. And when we first started, you know, people didn't, you know, when you first started out, didn't know who you were. And it kind of goes back to the his question about the, the songwriters. Well, finally, when people get to knowing you and you're going and they see you and they recognize you and they know that your, your songs are being played on the radio, uh, it's, it just, uh, you know, songwriters are more willing to give you their song because you know that's their livelihoods as well and they want to they want to see it played on the radio but that was, was a long journey that was that was our one of the goals that we wanted to set we set for ourselves was being uh independent country artist of the year for music Row, and um we were fortunate to do that and um and uh, thank the man upstairs every day that he gave us that opportunity to do that so well, and if you remember, the very first CRS that we went to, we went to the award show, very first one. And you and I were standing there when they were introducing the awards. And when they got to the Independent Artist of the Year, that's when we both looked at each other and we said, that's the goal. That's, that's going to be our goal to, to go get that and then see where, see where it goes next. And uh, we were able to do it, and it was an honor to get it. We're well, just and, now we're waiting to see what that next part is, aren't we? Well, for those that are watching, this is kind of part two because technology apparently didn't like me. I heard their conversation. <laughs> I don't even know if I need to be here anymore. They've got my questions. <laughs> I can leave or I can just sit back. Uh, but it worked out because, you know, Scott's got some cooler pictures than than mine behind me. I got to get a better setup. That's my goal one day uh, when, when we get into a little little bigger house. But. I, I love the conversations. I, I love the history that you guys have with music. And are you guys a little bit of like music historians to a degree? Because, I mean, you talk about playing on the Opry stage with the Ryman Circle, you know, Ralph Stanley. I mean, that's a legend in, in, in the oh, bluegrass world. And I mean, so clearly you guys have a love of music and a, a deep understanding of it. Well, I think yes, but particularly coming from 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 Georgia. I mean, you look at all the the artists that come from Georgia, whether it's Almond Brothers, you know, in just some country, Alan Jackson, uh, you know, of course Zach Brown, of course, uh, and then you look into you've got REM, you've got the B fifty twos, like I said, you got James Brown, uh, uh, um, uh, Sam Cooke, I believe it is, uh, and so uh, you just got a whole, you know. Then you get on to Indigo Girls, um, the whole the whole Athens, yeah, Athens. yeah, the whole Athens scene, and so it's just, and the, yeah, yeah, it's just it, there's a lot. I mean, Travis Tritt, I mean, 
uh, you know, we got we got we had the the we were fortunate to open up for Travis Tritt uh, in Maryland, and uh, that was cool. Um, uh, it was re- he, he was really cool to us. Uh, I, I think it was the fact that we were also Georgia boys, and and you know sometimes when you're you're uh, you know I don't, I'd say he's 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 bordering on kind of the 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 legend because he's been around so long, had so many great hits, has respect for the legends like you know Waylon Jennings. I know that's one of his heroes. Um, and so, but, uh, sometimes you wonder if, if they get jaded, right. And he was, he was very cool to us. Very cool. I mean, there were some other things inside jokes and stuff we could probably talk about, but he, he may not want us to. So we'll just leave that alone. <laughs> well, yeah. And we've always, and it's not just, uh, I mean, of course we love country music and that's what we do. And then you know, it's a whole nother conversation. If you want to try to define what country music is nowadays, we, we may get to that question here in a little bit, but, uh, you know, Todd and I both from Frank Sinatra, you know, to, to, to all the greats like that. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not just uh, the country music, but we grew up listening to, like Todd said, everything from Southern rock to beach music to, to the whole thing. Well, and, and I think that might go back to being, you know, for not forced, but, uh, you know, the trade off was to play some piano if you got to play some sports. So you probably learned a, a whole plethora of, of music. And, you know, and does that come through in, in some of your your all's music? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, people can listen to it, but they might not pick up on some some nuances or, or you know, things that you have picked up from other genres. But does that side of music come into kind of what you guys put together? I would say the Southern rock and even like save me. And there's some other songs that, uh, that have, you know, a little blues tones to it as well. Cause you know, Todd plays the harmonica. So we've had many nights at the cabin where, you know, you may go, you may go two hours with the three chord, you know, blues riff and, and about two hours and 45 minutes of it, Todd may be playing the harmonica. So. <laughs> yeah. Or, or if we start to play free bird and that's another 15 minutes right there. Where oh, I'm that's a, that's a, Hey, and, 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 and that's 15 minutes is just for the harmonica solo. <laughs> <laughs> Until I die, I can't breathe anymore. <laughs> and then Todd's like, start singing, play. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you remember those nights at the cabin? Because while the I was frozen to y'all, I was hearing stories about the cabin, and uh, you know, you, you might remember some nights, and you might not remember all nights. Yeah. Well, so you were talking about songs, and I'm going to get there for a second. You how we like songs. Well, one thing is harmonies. Got to have harmonies in what we. That's just how we grew up. Just harmonies. I mean, anytime you're in your car or wherever you are, people like to sing along with songs and the harmonies. Well, you know, one of the songs that we always do uh, around midnight at the cabin is called the Midnight Choir, and it happens to be song by one of the best, arguably the best uh, harmony-based groups who were also brothers by the name of the Gatlins. Mm. And uh, we got, we got bef- before we became known as Smith and Wesley, I guess it was, or, or right early on when we first recorded our first album, we got to, to meet up with him and we sang a little, we, we told him how we always at midnight, we, we sing the Midnight Choir. And he was telling the history about how he almost got driven out of Nashville because of that song and the contents of it and everything. 
and uh, but uh, we struck up a, a, a kinship on that, and he so he sang with us, and we recorded it in a in on, on one of our phones uh, doing the harmonies on that. Just picked it up just like that. It was just you know it was awesome. So, um, but that's one of the things we do at the cabin is we'll we'll go late night, late. Early morning, early, early morning. <laughs> Scott's usually the one that shuts the place down, probably around three or four. So, yeah. Every, everybody, everybody always wonders why when they wake up, the whole place is clean and ready to ready to go for round two the next day. Or, you know, they say, "How? How this place get clean?" Yeah, I make sure everything's clean before I go to bed, so when we wake up in the morning, you don't have to have any evidence of uh, how late you stayed up the night before. So nobody, nobody, nobody wants to see empty whiskey bottles laying on the ground by the fire and none of that. So, or half or half drank beer bottles. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes that happens, but it's, it's okay. And you know, when, when you, you know, like when you guys are, are down there, obviously that's where some inspiration comes from and some good things happen. I mean, um, What's it like down down there, or what's it like when you're kind of putting albums together? I mean, how does that process work for you? Because it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's probably telling a story of the songs that you love and how you want it to go. Well, I'll say first that Nashville musicians are incredible. And you would, most people would never even could imagine, you know, the magic that can happen, but... Uh, they don't get our songs like a week ahead of time and practice them and work on them and do all that. We give them basically a scratch track of, you know, the, basically the way we want the song to go. And then our producer, which our producer has been the same producer, Shane Hill, and then Cody McCarver was a co-producer on uh, the last one, I guess. Um, but you basically, they all show up at the studio that day. Uh, you decide which songs you're going to record and Shane Hill has it, uh, you know, has it all written down on paper, the numbering system, and they all listen to the song, our scratch track, one time, make their notes, and they all go out in the studio, and they count it off, and they start playing the song. And then, you know, they'll kind of mess around at first, and, you know, the pedal steel guy will say, hey, how about, you know, this measure right here, I'll add a little bit of this, and then so-and-so, you you come in on this four bar here, and you do a little electric guitar solo lead, and then, uh, hey, you know, why, why don't you you know, put some of that Hammond, you know, right here behind this one. And then they count it off and, and it's amazing. Todd will tell you, it, it is, it is something, something to see. <laughs> well, I don't know if you know this information. Uh, and then, but one of our songs on our first album, there is somebody that does a speaking part on one of our songs called Country Dreams. Well, that is Danny Shirley with Confederate Railroad, and Danny Shirley is our cousin. And so he has helped us out, you know, tremendously. I guess the biggest help that he offered at first was don't do it. (laughs) 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 And he he still tells the story because after, uh, you know, we recorded uh, a few few of our first scratch tracks, uh, he would call me up sometimes and say, hey, I'm going to West Virginia or Kentucky. Why don't you come hop on the bus and go with us? And so one time I said, uh, hey, I got this CD of some songs that, you know, we wrote in, in the scratch track. Why don't you listen to them? And he tells me now, he said, oh, I was so nervous because you don't know how many people always, you know, do that. Give me stuff to listen to. And he said, I already had it in my mind that 
I was dreading to have to tell you don't quit your day job. And he said, but you know, I was pleasantly surprised. And what did I tell you? And I said, you told me, go to Nashville and, and record them. And uh, so Danny, Danny's been a great mentor for us as well. Uh, I love that. Cause that, that had to be pretty nerve wracking to, uh, you know, give, give that option of, of that. And, you know, it, it could, could go wrong. And, um, hopefully well, he, uh, was, taught, taught... he was going to give me his honest opinion. <laughs> he, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just glad his honest opinion was positive. <laughs> that there, there's something to that when, when you, well, and that's at the end of the day, that's what you want because that's how, how you get better. And, and as you guys talked about it before, you know, technology decided to not like me, um, you know, that's kind of how you guys have also built up and, you know, you, you've now got folks kind of sending you tracks wanting to work with you. I mean, when obviously you two have some weird ESP thing where you pick all the same songs, but I mean, like how, what are you looking for? I mean, obviously you want a song that sounds like it's would be what you all want and, you know, it's coming from you and something that y'all can relate to. Well, you know, early on, we had a lot of the people that, you know, that would say, hey, don't you want to write some of this? You know, they, At that time, they called it bro country. You know, you want to do more of this type of country. You want to do more new country. And Todd and I just basically made a decision that, you know, we're going to write the songs that, that we like to write and we're going to record them the way we like to do it. And it's something that we would want to listen to. And then the attitude that we just hope a few people like it as well. And that's really the attitude that, that we've taken. We didn't, you know, we haven't polled. We don't, we don't send out and poll anybody for, you know, when we record, we actually go in and, and, and our producer Shane has always been great to not try to change it. You know, he'll change, he'll change things he needs to change as a producer, um, but not change your idea. So it's uh I think we just enjoy doing it the way we do it and hope that a few folks will like it as well. Yeah. And this is where I'm obliged to give my analysis of country music that Scott loves to hear me say. And it's this is, is country music is like coffee. Some people like their coffee black. Some people like it with cream and sugar. Some people like it with Bailey's. Some people like it with whiskey. But at the end of the day, it's still country. Just a matter of how you like drinking your coffee or your country. So that's that's the way I like to refer to country. Now, there's those folks that just blatantly hate some of the stuff that's being played right now. But hey, I like it all. So well, and, now, and so a lot of since we are at bar and conversations, I want to. So we're at, at bar and conversations. We I guess on off our second album. We ran a batch of Smith & Wesley Muscadine wine. Ooh. And you want to tell the story behind that, Scott? Yeah, actually, he The reason just... I say that is because this is Whiskey Week. We're, we want to do that with our own version of whiskey. Because we're about to release one of our singles. I don't know if it's going to be the next one, but it will come out. Yeah. And it, it is one of the songs that we've always wanted to release. We've always wanted to do it. And it, it, we are going to release our own batch of whiskey to help promote that song but tell the one about the wine yeah actually he just uh, came in over here at the studio mr g money our keyboard player just walked in so uh <laughs> g money has a vineyard here in ringgold and so uh, a vineyard of muscadines and so he approached me one year and he said hey uh 
you know, I, I take all these up in, in Tennessee and, and have wine made. And the guy usually does a blend with other ones. But he said, I was thinking about doing my own wine and uh, I don't need that much wine. He didn't say he didn't want that much wine, but he did say he didn't need that much wine. It's fair. Smart man, and, smart man. <laughs> and so he said, you know, would you want to do something with the wine maybe for uh, Smith & Wesley? And I said, hey, that's a great idea. So we went, and I don't know how many ca- how many cases we wound up having, but but uh, G Money, G Money, the keyboard player, got the labels, got everything. So we boxed them up, and then we had the idea to box them up and send them all the radio stations. Uh, and we had some radio stations that called back and said, "Can I get a whole case?" But evidently, uh, I don't know if it was G's Green Thumb or the weather that year or what it was attributed to, but uh, evidently. The grapes that we got that year, the uh, the uh, folks that made the wine said that it was probably one of one of the best batches they believe they've done. So it turned out really, really good. A what? Yeah. So and oh. it was a hit, and it, everybody everybody loved it, and uh, um, kept coming back for more. But we, you know, let's let's make sure we hit the rules and regulations. We did not sell it. We, we gave, gave it away. It. Gave it away. Pro- <laughs> promotion. Yeah. Well, maybe, now, we, didn't, the, maybe, we, didn't give, maybe we didn't give all of it away. Maybe some of it was used for yeah. personal consumption. but <laughs> Exactly. But none was sold for anybody on the alcohol parole board listening. It was not sold. <laughs> it was not. It was, uh, it was given away as a promotion. I like that. I like that. Smart, smart to cover your, your, your tracks there. And, you know, with, you know, you, you talk about kind of your, your next single, the, the single that's out now caught up on my drinking continues to climb the charts. Is it weird to see it kind of be popular now? Cause obviously the album came out, you know, last year and, and so forth. So is that weird or, or just kind of how it played out with where you picked it? I mean, what, what's your, your thoughts on that? I'll tell you how weird it actually is. We were finished up in the studio and our manager came over to us and said, you have time left. Do you want to record another song? And I said, I don't know. I, th- you know, I think we've picked them. We got them. You know, we, we've got them. He said, well, you paid for it. You know, you paid for the time. You paid for, you know, the studio musicians. You, you know, you might as well <clears throat> use it. And so uh, we all sat down and, and our, you know, our pick was one that we really, really liked the song. But it wasn't going to be one we recorded and put on the album. But we had enough time that we recorded Caught Up On My Drinking. We all just said, you know, that's just a cool sounding song. You know, I don't know if we'll put it on the album, but <clears throat> let's just record it and see. And then some some magic happens. And then after it's recorded and mixed and sent back to you, you're like, holy cow. Well, that turned out really good. And so it went on the album. And then not only did it, not, it went on the album, it actually got chosen to be a uh, single. The radio promoters, they we let them listen to it and kind of give us a heads up of what they think. And uh, they said, we love it. We can't get it out of our head. We keep singing it over and over and over. And, and that's usually, you know, a good sign. And so it went from not being picked to record in the studio to being recorded and put on the album to not be uh, put out as a single to being put out as a single. And here you are. 
You never know. See, and one of the beauties about being an ind independent artist is like we are is because some of the majors, they want you to do two or three singles off the album, then go cut another album. It's about making money. It's about selling that next album. Getting where this is one of those albums where there, I mean, not, not every song, but there are a good number of the songs that are single worthy radio play songs. And so because we're in the situation we are in, it allows us to do that, to sit here and, and, and play. So like we've got probably two or three more songs off this album that we may very well push to a single on radio play because they're that good. So, but just one because of, you know, there, there, there are benefit, there are pros and cons of being independent. And that just happens to be one of the pros of being independent. Well, and and so, obviously you guys have have done well being independent. You, as as we mentioned while I was uh, uh, frozen, that uh, you, you all won the independent artist of the year. Although you know COVID kind of blew, blew out the sales uh, there. I mean, you know, as you look back on 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 your career and stuff, I mean, clearly when when you're doing stuff right, you can get through through things. I mean, was there ever a worry at any point, or did you always just know that you guys were going to be able to kind of keep climbing? I don't think I don't think you ever really know. I mean, I think, you know, when people when you talk to people, I don't think Todd and I I don't think Todd and I ever said, you know, we set out to say, we're you know, we're going to be on the CMAs and get an award and just be huge like some of the big names. I mean, although that is something we would love. Now, do we do we think do we expect it and think that's going to happen? Well, you don't know in this business is right place, right time, right song right song compared to what other songs are out at the same time. And there's just so many different factors that go into all that, that uh, for me anyway, Todd can answer it in a different way. It's, it's great to get acknowledgement and, and great to get check marks to show in that you're impacting something you're doing. But at the same time, uh, I feel like we're blessed being able to, to go out and, and play music for folks and, uh, you know, instead of putting on my suit and tie and, and going into the office every day. So <laughs> that, if any of that makes sense. But. Which is in one of our songs. So if somebody, you just have to go listen to the song to figure out which song, which album it's on. Yeah. That was actually, I, I, though, I, that was actually, that was the second song we released. Second. Yeah. Second, second song single. we released. As a matter of I, fact. I, I love that. Yeah. The uh, song that we can't wait to release that is, that uh, I guess for, for this show is the whiskey song that we wanted to release. Quick story is somebody came over to my house with the original person that got me to start putting a band together, which w used to be our drummer. Now he heads up the road crew, uh, Jamie Sexton. And so he brought this guy over that said, uh, he told me you wrote this song Sweet Life in about 30, 35 minutes. And I said, yeah, I sat down and I wrote that song. He said, I don't believe it. I said, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, he said, no, I don't believe it. And I said, okay. Uh, he said, he said, show me, show me, let's do one. I said, okay, uh, go grab a guitar. Let's go upstairs in the studio. And, uh, you know, what do you want to write a song about? And he said, whiskey. And I went, okay, we'll write a song about whiskey. And I cheated a little bit because I'd had this chorus in my head for a long time, just waiting to put in a song. Uh, and it and it would talked about all the all the greats with Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard, and I already had that chorus set. Uh, so I started. 
started uh, strumming a song and in about 30 35 minutes i had whiskey written and he said well i'll be by golly you did write a song <laughs> in 35 minutes and so i can't wait to to put that one out there and see the reaction because it does have that flavor of some southern rock but yet gives a little gives a little hat tip to what todd and i grew up on with some of the classic greats yeah i mean we and we have songs so that do that that point to those that came before us and uh you'll hear it in our courses or wherever it might mention it but uh so we've we've uh we do include that in there because we want people to know hey this is this is who we are and and you know fortunately who we are or where a lot of other people are it's kind of stuff they like listening to so yeah absolutely i, I was gonna say i mean that's that's probably what put me on to, to y'all and 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 as we kind of wind down here smith and wesley.com you can find them on social media as well you know, clearly you got some maybe some more singles coming out from the album uh, as far as what, what people might hear on radio. What's what's the rest of 2020 look like as we got a couple months left? Well, I guess, first of all, to kind of wrap 2022. up. 2022. Yeah, to wrap up. Uh, used to, you know. Hey, what that looked like, and it wasn't too good. <laughs> yeah. 2020. 2020. I blame that faux pas on this empty glass. <laughs> is that why you, is that why you that limit the... compliments of Chattanooga whiskey. I think... I, See, this show used to be two hours long, and they figured out we better cut it to an hour. Because progressively, towards the end of the two-hour show, things could get pretty pretty laughable, I guess, sometimes. No, but, uh, no, we, uh, you know, we're, we're really uh, just, uh, like everybody else, kind of coming back out of this, uh, coming back out of this COVID and you know our our band we kept we kept everybody together playing and, and rehearsing just to be ready for when that switch turned so um really i think we're looking forward to next year and we're going to take a little different approach we've really done well in texas so we think we're going to try to put more shows in texas and maybe oklahoma and then also one thing we're trying to plan since we didn't get to go out and play and, and, and really reap the kind of the benefits of being independent artists and saying thank you to everybody, we, we've put together about six different groups of cities and radio stations that are heavy spinners for us. And so we're going to try to have a uh, what we call a hometown tour, and maybe they're towns that don't get a lot of people to come play. But we're going to try to do that as a way to say thank you, a late, a late thank you from when we want independent artists because, you know, we had that taken away from us. We never got to go around and enjoy it and thank everybody. So I think we're going to kind of try to do a hometown tour and go to a lot of the heavy spin stations that we did and and go say thank you and and that we never got to for the independent artists. And then we'll, we'll be hitting, hitting whatever festivals and and all of that that we usually get to do. So, I, I, I love to hear that. And I think that leads perfectly into my last question. Like I said, smithandwesley.com. But as I mentioned early on in, in the show, the fifth annual Smith and Wesley and Friends Benefit Concert for the Smith Charitable Endowment is September 24th down at the Northwest Georgia Amphitheater. And you guys have given back you know, a lot throughout y'all's career. I think that's instilled from your father and your, your parents. You know, I mean, you even did uh, the Superman for a Day with St. Jude. 
So why why is it important to to give back? I mean, clearly that is something that is ingrained in you and just something that you guys have always wanted to do. So why is that? I think that's, you know, just the way we were brought up. Uh, you know, dad, I think we dad was a great example. Mom was also a great example. You know, one thing about our, our mom does is, you know, what mom does now is she's director for a literacy program and she's done that. She built the literacy the literacy program and raise the money to uh, give folks GED. So mom has lowered or increased the level of, of people that have GEDs around our area and ran one of the top ones in the state and was recognized by the governor. So I guess we just grew up with it. And uh, I don't know what else to say is that that's just what you're supposed to do in our opinion. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say those are are, are Don't think I can say anything. I was gonna say that that's a perfect way to way to phrase it, and I think a a good way to end it. And and Scott Todd, I appreciate it, guys. If you haven't listened to Land of Y'all, you need to. You need to check out all their albums, and, and this was a blast. And and thank you for uh, putting up with some technical difficulties. Hey, we just be glad we kept Anytime it. Anytime you want just, us to be the host, we'll, yeah, we'll come back and host. If we would have known you just a little bit better, it could have been a lot of fun. <laughs> so just because Todd was like, it's still, it's, if, so if, I said it's still recording. Yeah. <laughs> if we knew you were sitting there listening, hearing what we were saying, you couldn't say anything. That would have been classic. Let me just say this: if you're at the cabin. And you don't have your phone locked, and it's layered around where we could get to video. It's not going to be as nice as what we were on that. You'll 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 wait you'll you'll wake up to what is this video? <laughs> I love it. I appreciate it. It was a blast. We'll have to do this again. And thank you all. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. All right. All right.